I'm Robin Amler of IBS Intelligence. You're listening to the IBS iViews podcast. With me is Mark Roberts, Divisional Director of Clear Accept and of Clear Courses Payments Division. We're talking specifically about the lifeblood of business, and the lifeblood of business is getting paid. What's the key issue here? Why do payment providers need to let merchants have a say in the development of the payments tool they use? You know, from a payments perspective, you know, digital payments has, has massively evolved over the last 15 years or so. And I think it's fair to say that, you know, reliability of the payment system and security are, are kind of almost taken as a de facto standard. But the, the key issue that we're trying to solve really is, is the interoperability of the payment system with the software platform that is actually operating them. So when we look at, at some of the merchants that we operate in, um, you know, still today, for example, there is around 1.3 million payment terminals in the UK that have no interaction whatsoever with the point of sale system that's actually running the business. So what you actually have, and if, if you have 2.2 million payment terminals in the UK, if over half of them aren't actually even talking to the software that is running that business, then that what that actually means is that at the end of the day, you're always going to have a separate reconciliation process. You're going to have an end of day process and the two systems are never talking. And frankly, you know, customers have kind of got used to that over the years. So I think all you have to do is probably go into your local takeaway, for example, and you'll see very clearly that what happens is they'll key in 15 pounds for your takeaway on their till and then they'll come over to the payment terminal and then retype in 15 pounds again. It's because they don't talk to one another. So that's the fundamental challenge that we are trying to solve by having an integrated payment system for the small and medium businesses. I'm sorry, I am utterly bemused. You're telling me that people have these two systems that don't talk to each other. How do they know where they stand in terms uh, of cash flow, in terms of profitability? It's a good question. They do know, but what they have to do is that they spend a lot of time actually reconciling their books from two different sources. This is still fairly standard business practice outside of the, the top tier big retailers in the UK. Now, obviously on an online basis, the systems are a lot more integrated. They're, they are talking to each other a lot more, but on a, a face-to-face environment, that's still very much the preserve of smaller retailers. So someone at the end of the day will, will start a process that says, hey, I need to cash up in the old ways of doing things, probably not that much cash anymore, but start the cash up. And then you'll do the same on the payment terminal as well. And then you'll compare the two reads and make sure that they reconcile. So it's a very manual task. This is actually not being made simpler by the fragmentation of the payments process. There are lots of different payments solutions out there, which is going to add yet another level of complexity. It's absolutely true. I mean, I've been working in the payments business now for, you know, almost 20 years and before we had chip and pin, all you actually had was actually these payment terminals that operated in this way. So we have moved significantly towards a better reconciliation, but it's still it's still mainly the preserve of the top tier one and tier two retailers that you would sort of, you know, big high street names that you would see. But any of the, the smaller merchants have not been able to yet benefit from these systems. They've basically had to take what they've been given from a lot of the big payment providers that are out in the market who are building products, they, they provide very good products, very stable, as I said, very secure, very reliable, very robust systems, but not actually solving some of the today business problems where we all expect things to work together much better. 
And this is why you've got a lot of the new fintech providers coming in and being disruptive. It's not really being that disruptive. It's actually just providing the merchants and the customers what they actually need and haven't haven't actually had for some time. Looking at it from the, the point of view of, of an SME, though, a smaller enterprise, whether that's a business-to-business enterprise or a business-to-consumer enterprise, it doesn't have to be a retail solution. There's got to be costs involved for me in time, money, energy, Absolutely. in keeping on top of these things. It's got to be made simpler for them because they're just not on a level playing field with the larger retailers, Absolutely. for example. Absolutely. Yeah, and and that I mean that that's really one of the key reasons why ClearCourse exists as a business. We look to acquire and operate specialized software businesses so that we can then uh, work with our integrated payments platform to embed the payments within that software because that software, you know, payments as much as I would love to think that it's not a commodity, it is a commodity to the merchants, okay? I know how complicated payments is to make it look simple, but it is a commodity. So everyone just expects it to work. What we're trying to do is to provide an extra layer of being able to provide the merchants a bit more free time to focus on their business. So when we look at things like our intelligent golf solutions, you know, what we're actually doing there is embedding all of the payments feed into that point of sale system so that at the end of the day, they can just hit one button and it basically will say to them, these are all the transactions you took. This is all of the payments that are taken. And then it makes uh, the, the reporting and the reconciliation a lot easier than it, it currently has been. Well, there are a couple of issues that need to be addressed. You touched on one of them yourself earlier, security and compliance. Absolutely. Is this all included in the solution? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there are a few kind of um, you, you can't pass go unless you actually, you know, <laughs> can, you, know you have to have a, a base level of security. So, you know, what we've built is a, is a payment facilitator platform, which basically allows us to, to act almost as like a white label acquirer. So that means we can underwrite our own mer- uh, merchants ourselves using our own credit and risk policies that are, are backed off and, and endorsed. We obviously have to be approved and certified to do that. We're regulated by the FCA to do that. We obviously have to get uh, things like PCI compliance. So we're PCI level one compliant for our platform. We have to then do certifications as well with the terminals and everything else before we can even put one terminal into the field. So that that's the level playing field that we, we have to even get to before we can launch, which is why it took us around two years to build the platform, get all of the requisite certifications and accreditations in place before we could actually launch and frankly provide the merchants with that level of comfort that they're dealing with someone that that knows what they're doing and has already uh, achieved those levels of compliance. Tell me a little bit about your latest acquisition, Secure Collections. Within the payments umbrella of what I operate uh, on behalf of of ClearCourse, there's two distinct brands. So we have ClearAccept, which is basically everything for cards and card payment, and clear debit, which is everything for direct debits. Underneath that umbrella, we then have lots of different channels. So everything under cards, you know, we can provide e-commerce solutions, uh, virtual terminals, and as I've said quite a lot there about face-to-face point-of-sale terminals. On the direct debit side, obviously, as you've just mentioned, we've just announced that we've acquired Secure Collections. That will come into the clear debit world. Ultimately, what we provide there is four key pillars of of services for direct debits. So we own a a company called Mosaic Software, which is wrapped into and it's a product offer now within Clear Debit. And they provide software. Uh, So if you have your own service user number, so if you're a slightly larger retailer, you have your own service and you have your own service user number, 
you can buy the BACS processing software to be able to run your own direct debits. And you would have your own back office set up and your own employees to then process those direct debits. So that's the first part of what we do. The second part of what we do, um, which is the core part of Clear Debit, is we actually provide bureau services. So again, if you have your own son, but you just don't want the hassle of, oh, do I really want to be doing direct debits? You can hand it off to us and we can manage that whole process for you. Any of the challenges, issues on, you know, this direct debit hasn't gone through, we will manage that on your behalf. Uh, and we do that. So both Clear Debit and Secure Collections both offer those services. The new part that we are bringing in with Secure Collections is that they have a burgeoning service, which is called Facilities Management Direct Debit. This particular service is for smaller organizations that basically haven't got the ability to get their own son, so their own service user number. And that's something that is sponsored by a bank. A lot of banks with smaller merchants don't want to sponsor smaller merchants. So my local tennis club, for example, doesn't have their own son. So they would use a facilities management direct debit because they're not collecting that many direct debits. So having secure collection under our wing gives us that third pillar that we were looking for to be able to offer a full turnkey solution. The fourth pillar, and it actually encompasses everything else um, within the direct debit, is that we actually have a BACS accredited training facility. And this is a, a, an offer that we provide to any merchant so that they can decide whether they want to own their own software, whether they want to process using a, a managed service, or whether they want to go for FMDD. So it's something that we offer um, across all of our businesses. But then what we do is that we then provide an integration layer. So on both of the products, with Clear Accept and with uh, Clear Debit, we have an integration layer that we pass out to all of our group companies, our group companies integrate that, and then that enables them to feed both the direct debits and their card payments into their systems. So when I mentioned about the reporting, everything can come through in their reporting. It's been said to me that backs and direct debit are dead men walking. And I can see a time when the card disappears as well, the credit card or the debit card because it's just a channel for facilitating payments that's offered by financial institutions. What's your view and how are you preparing for the changes that are coming? I was asked that question probably about five years ago, actually by an analyst saying, yeah, but point of sale terminals, you know, payment terminals, they're dead, aren't they? They're dead now because you, you, we've got other ways of doing this. We can do this on a mobile phone, can't we? We can just tokenize and use the secure element in a mobile phone. And I said, yes, yes, we can. But there is an awful lot of friction what people forget, I think, sometimes is that, okay, Visa, MasterCard, et cetera, aren't perfect, but it's global interoperability. If you have a card that is issued by your local bank, my local Barclays Bank issues my card, I can use that anywhere in the world, friction-free, anywhere. There are certain segments of the market, absolutely, that will start changing and maybe not using the direct debit system, maybe moving to the open banking system. I'm a big advocate of that and opening up and, and deregulating some of the, the, the big banks' stance on how they're sort of controlling the market. I think that's a good innovation. And I think there are certain parts of the market that will take some of these new innovations quicker, faster, etc. But I think there's certainly a place for cards and everything around cards and how they're working. Because you know, if you look at Apple Pay, Apple Pay wasn't around 10 years ago. It took it about seven years to be an overnight success to get it to a point and just in the UK. And if we look at the same with contactless, I remember putting contactless out in 2007, doing the first one. It took 10 years for it to become an overnight success where now everybody says, oh, contactless is now 
the next best thing, but it's still working off of card base. So from my perspective, cards are here for quite some time. I think we only have to look at checks. Payments has to be ubiquitous. It has to work for every single sector. Checks were deemed to be dead and were going to be killed off, but checks are still there. There's a very decline, a very small part of the market that still uses them, but cards are going to be around probably for the next 30 years. I, I, I'm pretty confident in that one. What would your view of the future be then? Well, you say cards are going to be around. What new systems do you think are going to come in to challenge that other than those that like Apple Pay that are already established? The key now in payments is that, that mobile mobile is everything. You know, uh, even only a few years ago, it was uh, e-commerce is everything. Actually, now mobile is everything. We are on our mobiles all the time. We're making payments from our mobiles. We need to optimize, you know, for those channels. I think what we're what we're seeing now is you know the advent of new payment methods that you know the the, the latest one is obviously uh, BNPL so buy buy now pay later, which has become a, a real hot topic with lots and lots of new entra- uh, entrants that are very highly capitalized, lots of uh, private equity investment, and I, and I think you know we've got I think at last count I think I counted thirteen operating in the UK, which are also now obviously getting into a regulated position because at the moment it's unregulated. Again, I'm I'm a big advocate of a lot of these new payment methods and techniques, but also it must come responsibly. One of the big challenges for me with BNPL is the fact that you know you could end up in a in a debt with 12 of these individual BNPLs because yes, they've got some very sophisticated sophisticated algorithms, but they're not talking to one another which the credit card industry does do at least. So you have to go through a process to get a credit card, whereas you can get an account with Klarna and Layby and you know Afterpay and all of these different ones, and you can max out lots of different things. So there is some regulatory things that are going. I, I, I think it's a good thing. There's some real benefits for both the merchant and the consumer. With a lot of these new innovations, some of it has to be done responsibly, I think. Mark Roberts, Divisional Director, Clearcourse Payments Division and Clear Accept. Thank you very much.